little bit slow today. I hope you guys are ready to pick it up here a little bit here. Um, for those of you who may not know me, my name is Ben Hurt. I am the senior pastor here. And what a joy it is to open up God's word and really look at what does the birth of Jesus look like. Now, I don't know about you. How many of you are baby people? Like you just love babies. Raise your hand. Now, when we think of babies, there are a lot of mixed emotions that go on. But for people like me, I love babies. I love the sounds they make. I even love their cries. Like a baby's, now I'm not talking a two-year-old cry. I'm talking about like a two-month-old cry. Like way different, right? Way different. Now, some of you, when you think of babies, especially some of you men, like you get scared to death. Like I remember that, that first time I held my first child. I was like afraid I was going to break it. You ever, you feel that way? Like before you have your own, you're like, I can't hold this baby. I'm, I'm going to break it. But as soon as I had one, I mean, we ended up having five. So that's how much I love babies. Some of you, you're afraid. Uh, some of you, you've had kids and you've had like a colicky baby. And like you just could not stand the baby ages. But then there's some of you here who when you think of baby, you think of pain. You think of sorrow because maybe you've lost a child. Or for, for some of you, like the thought of a baby is heavy on your heart because you've been trying and, and, the God, and God hasn't, for whatever reason, allowed you to have a baby. Well, when we think of the baby Jesus, it is the greatest gift that mankind has ever received. And when we, we, when we remember the story, here's the story that happened in Matthew, we read of Mary, who was a teenager, was betrothed to Joseph. And an angel came to her and said, you're going to have a baby. And he is going to be called Jesus. And this angel also showed up to Joseph. And Joseph was ready to divorce Mary because he's like, how could she be pregnant? Like, we haven't even been together. We're not even married. This is scandalous. I'm out. Was going to do it quietly. And then the angel came to him. And the angel said this to Joseph in Matthew 1.23. Behold. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isn't that an amazing statement? God is with us. He left his throne. He was reigning supreme in heaven. He left his throne and was born as a baby, and his name is God with us. What an amazing announcement that was. And the Messiah that was prophet about, prophesied about so long before Matthew was written was finally coming true. Aaron read from Isaiah 9. We're going to hang out mostly in Isaiah 9. And, and what I want to show you are three gifts that this baby Jesus is for us. That when we think of that child in the manger and we look at Isaiah 9, we see three gifts. That first gift is this. Jesus is our light. Jesus is our light. Light. Look again at Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light come. Those who dwelt in a land of deep 
darkness. On them has light shone. Jesus is our light. You see, the Israelites, the ones whom this prophecy was given to, they were living in a time of darkness. Now, now this isn't like, like the world was covered in darkness, there was no sunlight. That's not the kind of darkness that we're talking about here. Rather, the Israelites were experiencing emotional and spiritual darkness. You see, they were once a thriving nation, but they had come upon some dark times. Look at verse 1 here. We see what God has brought them through. Verse 1 says this, But there will be no gloom for her who, in, who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the later times he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. So he mentions these two places, Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. These were two places... Two northern tribes of Israel that were hit hard by the Assyrian army in around 733 B.C. These were God's chosen people, and yet the Assyrians overtook them and led them off into exile and put them in captivity. They had faced dark times, and the people were left devastated. Now imagine yourself in, in their shoes. So these are God's people. They had heard story after story after story about how God had delivered them. And how the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. And, and God brought Moses to them and used Moses to deliver his people from the Egyptians. How he opened up the Red Sea. They crossed on dry ground. The Egyptian army followed. And as soon as the last Israelite stepped onto the ground on the other side, he collapsed the waters, destroying the Egyptian army. The time where he fed them in the wilderness while they were waiting, led them to the promised land. But yet, time and time again, the Israelites turned their hearts away from God. And they found themselves in serious darkness to the point of being led into exile. So imagine the darkness that they were facing. Now, now we have one sense of darkness that we feel here. Maybe some of you are thinking about the gloom that may be coming uh, when the presidency flips hands here. As if somehow that compares to the darkness that the Israelites faced. But really, nothing compares to what they faced as far as what we've experienced at this point. But then... In the midst of this darkness, they hear this prophecy. Hey, Israelites, in the midst of your darkness, no fear. There is a great light that is coming to you. And that light was fulfilled in Jesus. And we see this in Matthew 4, 12 through 16. Now when he, that is Jesus, heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region in the shadow of death, on them a light has shone, has dawned. 
Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy that took place in Isaiah 700 years before he was born. They faced darkness, and we face darkness too. Anybody here feel like just a season of shadows, of darkness that you're going through at this point? Well, my hope, the hope that we have is in Jesus. So maybe you find yourself going through similar things, like COVID has just kind of wrecked all your plans for this year, vacations, seeing family. Some of you I know have parents who are refusing to come out and refusing to people let in because of afraid to get this virus that's, that is killing people. And it's wrecked your year. 2020 is not going to go down as one of the greatest years ever, is it? <laughs> Darkness has swallowed us. Maybe you've experienced darkness because the economy is not doing the greatest and maybe you found yourself without a job or maybe you've been on the the end of losing somebody losing a loved one during this season whether it be COVID or something else and that has just kind of wrecked your ability to be able to mourn appropriately there's darkness all around but I think we have to ask ourselves why Why is there darkness in the first place? What is the point of this all? And I think we have to remember, we have to go back to Genesis, back to the garden. You see, before there was nothing, there was the Godhead. And they created this place called the Garden of Eden that was the most beautiful thing we could ever imagine. And he placed Adam and Eve in the garden. Now think about this. Adam and Eve, they had a perfect relationship with God. How many of you, that's what you would say, you got a perfect relationship with God. Anybody? Anybody? (laughs) None of us, we have no idea what a perfect relationship looks like. And once we think there's a perfect relationship that we are in, very soon we will find out it's not so perfect, right? I mean, I have the greatest wife in the world, but it's it's not a perfect relationship. But Adam and Eve had this perfect relationship with God. And God gave them one command of something not to do. Do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And of course we know how all that turned out. Satan comes, tempts them, they eat the apple, they fall into sin. And for the first time, their relationship with God was broken. And from that point on, sin entered the world. And therefore all of us are born sinful. You see the reason why there's darkness in the world It's because of our sin. Sin is the reason for the darkness. Why is there sickness? Why are there broken relationships? Why can't we just get along? It's because of sin. And when we understand this, when we understand that the problem is our sin, that can lead us to a place to lead us actually out of the darkness. The problem is we like to point the finger to everybody else, don't we? In the the midst of our darkness, what we end up trying to do is do everything in our power to make things right. The Israelites tried to do that. And it's kind of like this. So this week, uh, the Vogels moved into their new house in Goshen, and, and so I was there helping them. And they have one of those rooms, maybe you have one of these rooms too, where there's multiple light switches. You know what I'm talking about? Like you go in, and if one switch is in the wrong place, like the lights don't work. 
And then you're going about flipping around the multiple light switches, trying to get the right combination for your light to come on. Anybody have that in your house? (laughs) Super frustrating, right? And that's exactly the picture of us when we try to find the light, when we try to make our lives right without Jesus. It's like that room that has those different light switches, and we just can't figure out the right combination to get it right. We try, right? We go to church. It's Christmas season. It's Easter season. Let's go to church. Oh, you know what? I'm going to give to charity. I'm going to do nice things. I'm going to stop being mean. I'm going to try to be a little bit less selfish. And when we put all of our hope in those things, we end up sinking miserably, don't we? Because we can't find the light. The reality is Jesus is our light. And it's through our repentance of sin and confession of Jesus as Lord that we can step out of the darkness and into the light. So where do you find yourself today? Are you trying to figure out your own way out of the hard things in your life, the suffering that you're experiencing? My plea for you is that your hope is in Jesus alone. Jesus is our light. Look at verse 3. In chapter 9, you have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Not only is Jesus our light, but Jesus is our joy. Jesus is our joy. Are you looking for joy in this world? Joy is found in Christ alone. Throughout the whole Old Testament, the Israelites, God's chosen people, experience much affliction. In verse 4, we see a picture of this. Look, the yoke of his burden. The yoke of the people's burden, a yoke is like this contraption that, like, think of, think of, like, yaks, right? Like these big, huge animals, these beasts of burdens who would look to move the plow. They would have two holding, two sticking together in this yoke, moving the plow. And the Israelites, they had this heavy yoke placed upon them. Think about the Egyptians that we mentioned, right? The Israelites had become so numerous that the Egyptians started to be afraid, like, we need to imprison the Israelites, and so they imprison them, they enslave them, they make them, made them work hard, and they place this heavy yoke upon them. And it weighed them down. And we also see other ways. We see the staff for his shoulder. So staff, you think staff, you think power. They were overpowered often by these many nations who overtook them and finally, the kind of the, the colossalness of it all happened with the Assyrians taking over. Often, they were overpowered by these nations. And we also see the rod of their oppressor, the rod, the punishment that they faced. But the reason they faced this punishment was because of their sin, right? Over and over again, they rejected God as their source of joy, and they looked for joy in other things. But when we understand that Jesus 
is our source of joy. We can be led out of these dark seasons, right? Christmas is a time for us to remember that joy lies outside of us. It lies within the Savior. Even Jesus said this of himself in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Do you feel a yoke on you that is too much for you to handle? Christians, do you find yourself in this battle with sin that you just can't seem to come over? You just can't seem to get over that hill of defeating sin in your life, and it leaves you discouraged and heavy laden. Jesus says, come to me. Give me your burden. I will give you mine. My burden's light. Take this yoke with me. I'm going to do the heavy work. Come along with me, Christian. Those of you who maybe refuse to come to Jesus because you're just aware of your sin, let me encourage you with something. Jesus doesn't say, come to me when you have it all together. Come to me when you stop screwing up all the time. Jesus says, come to me as you are. He didn't come to earth to save the healthy. He came to bring dead people to life. And so if that is keeping you from Jesus, if your sin, if your messed up life is what's keeping you from Jesus, hear me. Hear Jesus when he says, my burden is easy, my yoke is light. I don't want, you don't come to me so that I can lay a heavier burden on you to do all these good works in order to earn salvation. That's not how it works. Jesus did all the work for us. And it's through our repentance and faith in him that we find true joy. Do you feel oppressed by those around you? You feel beat down by the world, overpowered, unheard. The good news is this. Jesus has broken down all of these things. He has made a way for freedom. And when we turn our hearts away from trying to find joy in things of this world and turn to Jesus, that's where we find joy. That's how we make it through the hard things that we go through. It's outside of ourselves. It's outside of what this world has to offer. And it can only be found in Christ. And Psalm 30 verse 5 says this. For his anger is but for a moment. And his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night. But joy comes with the morning. Turn your eyes to Jesus. He is our source of joy. Look at verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Jesus is our light. Jesus is our joy. And lastly, Jesus is our king. He is the one that is reigning. And it, it's hard for us to understand king, right? Kingdom, like we don't live in a kingdom per se. Uh, we don't have a king. We have a president. Uh, the president is always rejected, no matter who it is, basically by 50% of the population, right? Not really something that we can fully grasp the fact that we have a king. But what does a good king do? We, we just don't fully know. And Jesus is a king unlike any other, right? And he is given in here four names. Names that would not have been given to Hebrew boys. But Jesus is no typical Hebrew boy. Amen? Let's take a look at each of these. Verse 6. The first one there, wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. The literal meaning of this is a wonder of a counselor. That word for wonder, that Hebrew word, is the closest that the Hebrew word has for supernatural. Jesus gives supernatural counsel. Now, counsel was a huge deal within kingdoms, right? The king needed multiple people around him in order to help give counsel to decisions that he needed to make. Hey, inform me on this. Inform me on that. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't need counsel from anybody else, right? What do we have to offer him? He is the wonderful counselor. He is the one who leads and guides and directs us. You're looking for hope in this world. You're looking to, how am I going to survive everything that's coming my way? How am I going to make it through this tumultuous time that I'm going through? Jesus says, come to me. I'm the wonderful counselor. The second name we see there, mighty God, mighty God. This is a word, mighty, that's used elsewhere for one who's valiant in battle. How many of you are growing weary of fighting your own battles? How many of you have tried and you're finding yourself defeated? We're not mighty, but Jesus is mighty. He is mighty God. We see this everlasting Father. Interesting here. Are you seeing a little bit of picture of the Godhead, the Trinity? Wonderful counselor. Jesus sent a counsel to us. And then we see here everlasting Father. He's the Father of eternity. He's the father that maybe many of you wish that you had here on earth but just haven't had. Jesus is the father that will never let you down. He's been here from the beginning. He'll be here till the end. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's the one who said, come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Don't let your idea of your father take away from who Jesus is. It's amazing when you think of this little child and those who understood what that baby was thought surely of Isaiah 9. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, 
everlasting Father. And then lastly, we see Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. This is the nature of his rule. It's one of peace. Oh, how we all long, right, to be in a country that is ruled by peace. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't come to say, I'm coming to give you peace on this earth. It's not about having peace with relationships with other people. It's not about having peace in our nation with other nations. This isn't an earthly peace. This is an internal peace. You see, we're all born hostile to God. You realize that? It's because of our sin that we are born in hostility to God the Father. There's no neutrality with God. We're not born neutral and then we make a decision to decide whether or not we're going to be for him or against him. Whether we're going to believe in him or not, we are born hostile against God. There's no such thing as somebody who has always been a Christian. We are born in hostility And so there is no peace between us and God. And yet Jesus came so that we might have peace. And do you know, brothers and sisters, that is, there is peace offered you today. I can't fix your relationships. You can't fix relationships. People have to make a choice on whether or not to forgive. But you can have peace with God And therefore have peace as far as it comes to you with others. But it's only through Jesus. He is our prince of peace. He came to restore all things. It's not going to happen until he returns though. But you can have peace today. And later we see in Isaiah. Why don't you turn to Isaiah 53 and we'll end here. We see here. That this Savior is not going to come like the people expected. We think king, they think king. We think of somebody who is reigning supremely, coming with power, coming on a white horse. Make no doubt, Jesus will come that way. But he did not come born as a baby, as this king to instill fear amongst the people. He came humbly so. And we read this amazing passage in Isaiah 53, verse 3. And this is the amazing thing. This is what I want you to ponder this week as we remember Christmas, what it's all about. It's us remembering the birth of Jesus, that that little baby in the manger came to do this. Well, first look at verse 2. For he grew up, this is speaking of Jesus, prophesying about Jesus 700 years before he came. He grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. You see, Jesus didn't come to be exalted. He didn't come to have everything go well for him. And he didn't come as if this this beautiful, majestic person, as if just by looking at him from a human perspective, we would be in awe of him. He didn't come that way. Rather, verse 3, he was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised. 
and we esteemed him not. Rather than being this king who should have been received and lifted high, he was rejected. And make no mistake, if we were there, we would be just like the person who were yelling, crucify him, crucify him. He was rejected. Men hid their faces. When Jesus was taken into custody, what did his people do? They fled. They rejected him. They denied him. And in our sin, we do the same. Verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Here's one thing that the, the, the Jews could not fathom. How could God come and suffer? How could that possibly be somebody who is God? How could that possibly be somebody who is of royalty? That doesn't happen to somebody who is God. That makes no sense. It didn't fit into their understanding of who God was. But Jesus is the wonderful counselor. His counsel is beyond our understanding. And he took on our griefs. He carried our sorrows. Verse 5, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. That little baby who was born in the manger was the one to carry the sins of every person who would ever believe. Don't let this season go past without remembering this isn't just a cute little thing that we celebrate. Sometimes we miss the, the darkness that we should see. You know what I mean by that? Like, this baby came not to live supremely. He came to die. And he came to pay the price for your sin. He was declared guilty so that you might be... Be, be declared innocent. If we were to find hope in this world, if we were to get our, find our way out of darkness, if we were to find joy, it comes with understanding that Jesus took on our sin. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. What a staggering reality when we think of that child born. The shepherds coming, Joseph and Mary, looking in at this child. Who would one day deliver them from their sin. Don't lose the wonder of Christmas. Santa is not the wonder of Christmas, right? <laughs> Jesus, who took on our sin, bore our griefs. He did this so that we might have peace. All we like sheep, verse 6, have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. This Jesus could have called a thousand angels to come and rescue him. 
But he knew what he was there for. He was there to bring peace. He was there to carry our sin. Brothers and sisters, if you find yourself separated from God because you have never repented of your sin, there is judgment coming for you. None of us can escape it by our good works. None of us are going to be able to pull out our resume and say, here we go, I think I did pretty good, you should pass me. We all fail. One failure is enough to damn us to hell forever. But that's why Jesus came. He came for the dead. He didn't come for those who had it together. Don't wait till you have it together to come to him. Come now. He paid the price. This little child came so that you may be made right. And we are made right when we understand first and foremost that we have sinned. That sin has separated us from a holy God who cannot allow sin in his presence. But Jesus came. Lived a perfect life. Not one time did he talk back to his mom and dad. Not one time did he sin and fight in a way that was unholy. And then he went on the cross taking the sins of every person who had ever believed upon himself. That through our repentance, through our saying, Lord, and from our hearts, understanding and feeling and believing, I have sinned against you. But I turn from that and realize, Lord, you are my only hope. You are my salvation. When we do that, when it's genuine from our hearts, that's what leads to salvation. And Aaron and I will hang around here if you need to talk through that. But don't walk out these doors. If God is speaking to you now, if God is convicting you of your sin, there is hope for you. You can find light in your darkness. You can find joy. Jesus is coming again. And he will reign forever as our king. He will wipe away every tear. He will defeat death forevermore for us. So when you look at that story of Jesus, when you ponder him this week, remember what he's done for you. Remember that he came to die. And remember, though, that he rose from the dead and he is reigning supreme. Let's pray. Father, what a wonder. What an awesome wonder of Emmanuel, God with us. You didn't come on a white horse. You came as a baby. You suffered. You were tempted in every way, yet you were without sin. And then you became sin, who knew no sin, that we might be made righteous. Oh, Lord, if there are people here who have refused to bow their knee, would you humble them? Would you allow them to see that, yes, there is darkness all around, and the darkness is in me? We are darkness because of our sin, because we've rejected you. Lord, would you humble them? Would you call them to yourself? And God, for those who have repented and trusted in you, Lord, would you refuel their fire? That regardless of what's going on in this world right now, you still reign supreme. We lack 
no good thing. Let the world crumble. We have you. God, let us be a people that is filled with joy. Let us take the light to the darkness. Let us declare who is king. Lord, thank you for not leaving us on our own. Thank you for being unlike any other king. No other king was willing to die for their people. You gave yourself for us. So Lord, help us to behold him this season especially. Behold him as reigning. He is not silent. He was the lamb that was slain, but he's also the roaring lion. God, help us to see you. Help us to see you and let it make a difference in our life. you to stand. I felt like it was a little bit quieter than I wanted it to be this morning. We have a risen